What is up, guys? Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. What I'm going to be doing with this show is actually showing you guys what exactly you need to look for prior to buying, building, selling, or even renting a home. I'm going to bring in some of the top people in the industry so we can dive deeper into discussion about these topics and really give you guys the tools you need to learn and know prior to making one of the biggest purchases of your lifetime. So with that being said, guys, welcome to The Real Build. Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. And today we have a special guest coming all the way across the country from me, from Fresno, California. He's known as the Phenom Investor, and you can find him all over social media teaching you the best wholesale strategies. He's been in real estate since 2008, actually a real estate broker. He's the CEO of Matt Buys Houses, which is a real estate solutions company. They're family-owned business, and they focus on helping homeowners find solutions for their problems, whether they're going through a foreclosure, can't sell their property, or just need to sell their house for any reason. Uh, his company's there. He's a member of the Arte Syndicate, an exclusive invite-only society of overachieving entrepreneurs. I'm a fellow Arte member as well. Arte was obviously, I've talked about it in the past, created to help men and women take control and dominate every area of their lives. And most importantly, he's a husband and father of two boys. Matt, you're Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Where do I send my check? That was an awesome intro. <laughs> thank, thank you for the for the warm welcome. I, I appreciate uh, being on the real build here, Bill. And uh, yeah, um, everything you just mentioned is kind of uh, encapsulates who I am and and what I stand for. Obviously, it's been um, great meeting you through the through the Arte, and uh, looking forward to continue to get to know each other. Uh, more. I, I appreciate uh, guys that are obviously, you know, entrepreneurs, hustlers, and then in the real estate business. So you're you're a man after my own heart already. And uh, I love the, the the Alec Monopoly pieces behind you. I think I meant before we started, but I, I like cool art like that too. So yeah, man, thanks for having me. I'm, I'd be happy to, to answer any questions and, you know, maybe help a few folks out that are listening and maybe, you know, interested to see like what the heck is wholesaling. Yeah, Matt, no, I'm pumped to have you on. You're actually the first wholesale guy I've had on this show, too. So, I mean, I know you're going to give a lot of great info because it's a pretty big topic, whether people are trying to get into wholesaling or they're actually trying to wholesale their property. There's a lot to know, a lot to learn. So, everybody, get your pen and paper ready because we're going to ask some good questions here. So, Matt, what I like to actually start out with, uh, you know, getting started, and I do this with everybody is your background. So let's talk about who is Matt Garabidian. Who is Matt? Okay. Uh, well, you know, um, you know, I was born and raised in Fresno, California. So it's a small uh, farming town right in the middle of California. So I'm three hours south of um, San Francisco and three hours north of Los Angeles. So right smack in the middle. If you eat fruit and uh produce more than likely you probably had some of the you know little tangerines or um raisins you know that are actually grown here in the valley so you know growing up uh you know i i i got involved early in in sports and so 
from a very you know young age, I was always in Little League and Pop Warner, so I was always playing sports, and that kind of kept my my um, my life busy. And uh, didn't really think about you know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so I ended up uh, focusing all my time, effort, and, and energy into sports. And um, you know decided that I wanted to you know my dream was to play college baseball. And um, you know had that opportunity to do that. Although I wasn't a highly recruited guy, uh, I ended up um, walking on to Long Beach State, which was uh, at the time they were uh, the number two team in the country. So they had just played in the College World Series and going into that new season, um, very high expectations. So it was really like a long shot that I would even uh, make the team uh, because, you know, in Division One they have scholarships and they it's, a, it's almost like a it's a business, you know, they're, they, they're, they're recruiting guys and they're, you know, paying for tuition and books and stuff. So I was very little, very little known, but I had this big dream to, to play college baseball. So I just, you know, had this, this faith and this belief that I could hold my own. So my, my parents kind of, you know, packed me in and in the van and we drove, dropped me off at the dorm and, um, you know, uh, through, through basically, I, I believe God's grace and, and intervention, a couple of things happened where one of the guys that they had recruited and signed to a scholarship ended up quitting. Mm-hmm. And um, so they called me like, Hey, you know, if there's a spot open. If you want to, if you want to walk on, we'll, we'll give you a shot. I ended up walking on, making the team spent four years there, had the greatest time of my life. It was, it was a, it was awesome. Well, you know, uh, I never had any fancies or beliefs that I was going to play major league baseball. So, um, when that, when baseball finished, it was like, okay, you know, now, now what do I do? I remember, uh, answering this ad in the uh, orange County register down there. It was saying like, work for, you know, the Anaheim angels and their division sports marketing division and, and work with, you know, high performance, make as much money as you, as you can and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, this is perfect. So, you know, I ended up calling the ad and, um, they're like, yeah, you know, you sound great. Why don't you come in for an interview? And the dress code, you know, you have to wear a, a suit and tie, but bring comfortable shoes. I was like, all right, cool. I hung up. I was like, that's kind of an odd request. So I didn't think anything of it. So I show up. The office is like kind of right by the, the Anaheim Angels Stadium. And I walk in and there's like 50 other guys in there with suits and like Nikes on. And there's like a, like if you ever seen that movie, The Boiler Room, you know, like they're like, working on their pitches and, and talking. And then it clicked. I'm like, Oh my God, dude, I just walked into a door to door sales company, <laughs> you know, and they just had this like great ad that, you know, caught people's attention, but little did you know, like you're literally going to be thrown into a van. You're going to, you know, be dropped off in a neighborhood and you're going to be left to walk around this neighborhood and try to sell whatever we were selling at the time. Um, and you kind of left up to your own, skill set and and how hard you work you know and i look back at it and i'm like you know had i not given that an opportunity i don't know you know where i would have been only because it taught me about sales um i was going into it with with no preconception and i didn't think going door to door was below me or anything i was i was actually interested in learning about the job so we'd go in we'd work on our scripts and then they load you up in the van and every week we had something new so you know what the reason they tied Anaheim Angels into that ad was because we were actually selling Pizza Hut coupons, and part of the hook was a buy one get one free 
uh, baseball ticket up in the nosebleeds. So, you know, they use the marketing for the Anaheim Angels as kind of like, you know, your, your hook to get you in. But, you know, I didn't know any better. And at the time, they're like, you can make 100 bucks a day. So for a college kid who was like operating off of like 100 bucks a month, mm-hmm. um, that was a lot of money. And so I just learned the script. I practiced it. And then I went out and I started knocking on doors and I quickly learned how to build rapport. I quickly learned, you know, not to take a no to heart. I quickly learned that it's all prospecting. And then, you know, the key is you got to get through all the people that you disqualify because after five o'clock, the, you know, the people that the decision makers get home. So we wanted to identify those five, six, 10 uh, possible buyers um, and the people that were actually going to pay for it got home. So between like five, Five and six, I would make all my sales, right? And I would continually do this and I was making money. And so um, I was like, man, like sales is awesome. Like, you know, I, I could really do this. And, and, I, and I, I stuck with it for probably, you know, six or eight months. And, you know, uh, at the time, my parents, you know, really wanted me to get into a, you know, some type of higher education. I didn't really think that was me. I didn't, I didn't think I really wanted to pursue it. So I kind of, you know, ended up getting into the, this master's program and uh, did 18 months of it. And then during that time, my parents were like, yeah, you know, it's time to come home because, you know, the jobs weren't really, you know, doing too well and, the, you know, the prospects. So I get home and I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. Like, I just end up like being super, like depressed. Like, you know, I had all this freedom. I was like living the best time of my life. And then all of a sudden I find myself back in the bedroom that I grew up in. And I'm like, man, like, this is not what I anticipated. You know, like, I thought I had a much bigger, brighter future ahead of me. Now I'm back in Fresno, you know, away from all my friends and, and all the people that I, you know, grew up to, to hang out with and, and really like. And everyone else that I knew in Fresno was kind of off doing their own thing. So, you know, right around that time, um, the the economic downturn was, hadn't quite taken place, but it was about 2005 is when I started um, getting into learning about um, wholesaling subprime mortgages. So I first got my start in finance. So what I would do is I would go and visit these mortgage brokers and um, look at their credit reports and 1003s for, for uh, people that just walk in and want to get a mortgage. And my company was the one that would actually package these loans up, you know, we'd have a warehouse line, uh, fund them all. And then that line would be sold off to wall street. Right. I didn't know anything of this. I had no idea if you watch the movie, the big short, mm-hmm. you know, I was probably representing the company that was doing the toxic of the toxic loans, you know, the hundred percent stated, Hey, if this guy's a pulse, we'll give you a loan, you know, those types, types of deals. So, um, I had a, a, a two year run of that where, I started making some good money. Like, you know, I think the first couple of months I had made, you know, average eight to like $15,000 a month. So I thought like I was rich, you know? So I went out, you know, bought the brand new house, you know, brand new furnishings, took a trip to Europe. You know, I'm just like this bachelor thinking like, dude, you know, this is never going to end. Well, as we know, in 2008, everything collapsed, right? So I wake up one morning and I'm locked out of my, you know, my internet. And, you know, I call my manager. He's like, doesn't look, you know, probably have to start looking for something else because the company's gone. I'm like, what? He's like, aren't you watching the news, dude? I'm like, no, you know, like I'm just clueless. Right. And so I start figuring out what's going on. Then after a while, you know, money stops coming in, bills don't stop. So I start getting into real financial trouble. 
make a lo long story longer, um, I end up uh, losing my house to foreclosure and my car repossessed, going tens of thousands into debt. And, you know, you know, right at the same time, you know, God thought it would be, you know, convenient for me to be introduced to my, my then uh, fiance or my girlfriend, which then turned into my wife. And, you know, I'm like, I have no clue how I'm going to support another person, let alone myself. But for whatever reason, you know, she saw, you know, something else in me and, you know, stuck with me. And so I'm just kind of at the low point. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I have no other skill set. You know, I, I thought that this was going to be the answer. It's not. And um, growing up, my grandfather was a, 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 he had a, a real estate broker. So he always told me, you know, get your license to uh, sell real estate. It's a license to make money is what he told me. Mm -hmm. So facing really no potential prospects, no, you know, opportunities. I'm like, well, you know, I could give this real estate deal a shot. And, um, since I had a bachelor's already, um, at the time, all I needed to do was pass a few courses and I could bypass the agent and go straight to a broker. So that's what I did. And you know, I studied for the exam. It took me a couple times to pass it, but I ended up getting my broker's license. And for the next, I don't know, um, couple of years, you know, I, I tried out different, uh, avenues in real estate. So I was the residential guy. Uh, I was, uh, you know, leasing guy. I learned about commercial retail. Um, I had built and sold the property management company. I mean, I, you name it, I did it. Right. But I, at the, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is not it. You know, I, I didn't see an avenue where I could really turn it into a business. I thought it was, everything was very transactional. Uh, I'm running around chasing deals you know, especially when I started building the property management company, I was running around. I was, you know, I grew my company fast because I was the guy that would drive all over town, knock on tenants' doors, collect the rent, and then deliver it to my owner. I didn't, no one taught me the business, so I didn't know there was any better way to do it. So I led with service. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a guy that's aggressive and I'm, I'm working hard. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm building this business and doing, you know, a, a favor for a lot of my owners. And so they liked that because I was aggressive and I was taking care of their money and they trusted me, but I was just working myself into, you know, burnout and there wasn't much money to be made. So around 2010, um, a guy in, in an office that I was in, I remember him literally like, he was like this, like shaking his head. And I walk in there and this guy's been a veteran of the commercial business at that time for like 30 years. I'm like, Hey, what's going on? Like, you look like you're upset. And he's like, I just can't take this anymore. Like I can't, I can't handle the ups and downs. I can't handle that. I've got deals and escrow, you know, development deals that are literally been in escrow for four years. You know, I have no control. I have no idea when deals are going to close. Potentially, they can make me hundreds of thousands, but potentially it could just sit there and die on the vine, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking like, dang, this guy's been doing this for 30 years. And he's like, you know, really like flustered and doesn't see any future. So I'm sitting in this office and I'm like, I don't want to be that guy, you know, I, I he, there's, there's obviously, you know, he, he's not happy with what he's doing. At the same time, I start seeing, you know, these like, um, at the time the you know, pop-ups were kind of new, you know, for internet. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, I start, I start getting these pop-ups about, you know, the no money down real estate, right? You, everyone's seen those at some point, mm-hmm. make money without having any money in real estate. And I'm like, ah, kind of like, whatever, that's like some type of BS, some scam. But, you know, I ended up like signing up for a newsletter and started getting some information about, you know, how you can actually make money without having any money or credit or experience. And I'm like, okay, like, what's this all about? I see this guy, he's actually in Florida. Uh, he started, his name's Preston Ely. And so he was like the original rock star, you know, real estate sales and education yeah. guy that, you know, kind of turned everything on their head. Like he was this young guy in his twenties hanging out at Starbucks and showing these checks, like 10,000, 15,000, 30,000, 8,000, 7,000. And he's just like hanging out. Like one, he like reminded me of like a buddy. Like, I'm like, what's this guy doing? Right. So I ended up buying a course and I start, you know, reading about how you can wholesale real estate. So when I learned about it, it took me a while to wrap my head around it because I had that broker you know, mentality. I'm in a box. Like, this is how you do deals. Anything outside of it, I don't understand. If, you know, if I could fit it in the box, I could help you. Other than that, I have no idea. So this started opening up some ideas into like, man, I wonder if this really works. Um, So I, you know, to be honest with you, like, I kind of shelved the idea and got comfortable doing what I was doing. And back in the routine of being transactional based, being the broker, driving around town, writing offers, taking orders. I was just an order taker. And I don't know what it was, but there was one point I was up really late one night and I got to the point where I was like, enough's enough. You know, I, there was at at that time I joined a, there was a Facebook uh, page that all other wholesalers around the country you know, would post their, you know, checks or, Hey, I got this deal and this and, and, and telling like how they made the, how they made the deal happen. And literally I'm, um, I'm looking at some of these people and they have maybe six months experience in real estate. And at that time I'm, I'm working at, you know, probably three, four years of experience and not show, have anything really to show for it. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm just, I'm overthinking this. And I'm just going to go out and, and see what happens. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to legitimately give it a shot. So, you know, the first step in, you know, wholesaling is you got to find a motivated seller, right? Like that's the first step in putting a wholesale deal together. So essentially what you're doing is you're marketing to find a motivated seller that's willing to sell your, sell the property to you for less than market value. Okay. And the way that I was taught to market to these uh, sellers was direct mail. So you'd send these at the time, it was a yellow letter. So it it looked exactly like a, I don't know, I don't have an example with me, but it's like a little, like, you know, you've seen those attorney, you know, draft yellow letters with Mm -hmm. the lines and the way it's supposed to look is like, I, like I handwritten it, you know? So at the time when I was using it, it it had great effect because a lot of people weren't using it. So it looked like this, you know, I wrote this personal letter to this homeowner that I was really interested in buying their house. You know, I could pay cash. I could close quickly. I could buy it as is, et cetera, et cetera. So my first time I sent out something like 300 letters and I ended up getting like two or three calls. Well, two of them were like, don't ever mail me again, you know, take me off your list. And one of them was like, hey, I got this house. Go, go drive by it and, and let me know what you can do. 
So um, that I, I, I called, uh, I talked to him like, okay, great. I'll drive by. And so I drove by this house and, and this house was like in the hood, right? It's, it, it was like a two bedroom, one bath, just absolute beater. So uh, another p- bad piece of bad information that I got at the time was like, Hey, you know, when you're making offers to a seller, if the offer doesn't make you feel super uncomfortable, you're offering too much. That was the advice that I got, you know, not like, Hey, take comps, figure in the after repair value, figure in, you know, the actual cost of repairs minus this minus that and you get your max offer. Right. That's how it's yeah. taught now. But back then it was like, man, like you, you have to almost be like dry heating. You're so embarrassed to give this guy an offer. <laughs> so I kind of took that advice. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting outside this guy's house. I call him. Uh, I have no idea what I'm going to offer, what even as a legit offer. So he answers like, yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm out here, you know, and I'm, I'm stumbling and stuttering over my words. I'm like actually getting like sweaty palms. I think like, man, if I, if I give this guy a low offer, is he going to come like find me and like, you know, kill me or something. You know, I was like going through all these like weird things in my head, but I worked up the nerve and I sat there and I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I could pay you 16,000 for the house. And you kind of like, nah, you know, he's like, I can't do 16, but I can do 25. I'm like, great. He's like, all right, we'll have the paperwork ready. I'll come by the office tomorrow and sign it. I'm like, perfect. So I rushed back to the, uh, to the office there and I'm like, okay, he said he'd take 25. I have no idea if that's even a deal. Right. So at the time I wasn't, I didn't know how to find a buyer. So the next piece is now I've got a, a motivated seller. I think, I think I have it for a good price. Now I don't even have 25 grand to my name. I can't buy this house. And I have no means of credit because I lost everything in the crash and there's no way no one's going to give me a loan. And so, you know, the next step is, okay, now I've got to find someone that would actually buy this house. So a cash buyer, you know, I didn't really know how to find it, but since I was a broker, I had access to the MLS. Mm -hmm. I did a quick comp search and found that, you know, uh, actually right down the street, there was a, a similar like kind of property that sold for, um, it sold for $52,000. Okay. I pulled up the tax records. It's some LLC have no idea even how to find that person at the time. I didn't even know what skip tracing was, but you know, I saw that the agent who represented him, you know, I could get his number. So I called the agent. He's like, picks up my came in. My name's Matt. Hey, I noticed that you sold this house, you know, a couple streets down. I got another one. Would your buyer be interested in buying another? He was like, well, tell me what it is. I'm like, yeah, it's a two one, you know, 800 something square feet, just like the one that you have. He's like, well, what do you want for it? I'm like 52. And he's literally is what he said. He's like, don't tell anybody else about the deal. We'll have the money in escrow next week. Oh, wow. I'm like, okay, click and hang up. And now I'm thinking, Wait a second. I said 52. I have a contract for 25. That's $27,000 that I can make. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it ain't going to happen. This is not, this is not real. Sure enough, the seller comes in, he signs the contract. I send my assignment agreement, it gets signed. So I'm like, now I've got two documents, you know, I've got a willing seller and I've got a willing buyer. Now we put it into escrow, you know, and I hope 
you know, the prelim comes back clean. I hope that the seller signs the deed. And I hope to God that the buyer actually shows up and is real. I think two and a half weeks go by. Sure enough, seller signs, buyer funds. Title call calls me up. Yep, we close. We have your check. And at that point, I went to the title company and I saw his check for $27,000. And it completely changed my life. Um, because, you know, as an agent, right, if had I not invested in myself, had I not went out and like wanting something more, believing there's something bigger, I mean, you know, they're like, I mean, if I sell a house for 52000 and I, I make 3%, that's $1,560 mm-hmm. as an agent that I make. In the past, I probably would have been like, you know, hey, let me call around and see if I can make a quick, you know, deal. Let me find a buyer that might like the property and just broker it right yeah yeah. well i learned the skill that actually made me the investor i controlled the asset i wasn't interested in in putting a sign in the front yard and you know doing the walkthroughs and doing the paperwork now i controlled the asset and i could decide how i wanted or who i wanted to sell it to or for how much you know that was a lucky you know kind of deal because you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, find someone to buy your property on the very first call, but it happened. So I made 27,000 bucks on that first deal. And then I went all in, I took my broker cap off, I distanced myself from, you know, people knowing me as a broker or an agent, not because I didn't want to sell houses further, but I, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to focus on this when I see this as the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like I, I made the proof of concept real that money is in my bank account, I'm never going back. So then I just went all in on figuring out how to do more. So then, you know, I started investing into my marketing, calls started coming in, I started doing deals, right? So I was the one man show. Man, I, I think I'm going off on a tangent here. <laughs> no, that's that's actually your your spot on in my next question. But yeah, no, I no, this is awesome. Just because so, I mean, so that's how that's how it started in the business, but you know we can continue on with the questions. Yeah, no, you're fine because this is awesome. Just because I mean, it's it's crazy how everything kind of happened for you as you know life went on and everything too. Coming from college as a college athlete, which I I came from a similar situation. I was a college mm-hmm. athlete, came out of college. You know, I uh, football ended for me. I was broke. Yeah. And then you have to figure, you know, I was a similar situation. I went in the car business, you know, which taught me a lot of different stuff too at a young age and cold calls and, and, you know, just Mm -hmm. going up to people and leads blind and everything too. But that's where we got to where we were too. So, I mean, your stories, it's, it's awesome to hear too. And that's kind of where, go ahead. I think for anybody listening to this, it's like, it's not that I had anything an advantage over anybody or anything special, but, but I, I never lost sight of the fact that there, there was a bigger opportunity. There was a bigger dream. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the key is guys just find that vehicle, right? Find the vehicle that not only will allow you to have that opportunity, but is worth your time and effort. Right. Because, you know, I talk to a lot of guys. They're like, man, I want to make a million bucks. I'm like, well, what do you do? Like I'm a real estate agent. Okay. Well, what, you know, what's the average price per, you know, the average median sale, you know, Oh, it's like two fifty, And so I'm calculating that. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a long road to go. Yeah. You got to sell a lot of houses at that median price. 
Plus, when you start getting bigger, you're going to have to hire people. And then after taxes and all that, it's just not a good vehicle for me. I just didn't see how I could be a broker and get to my goal, right? And and everyone's goal is different. But for me, I just needed to find a different vehicle because I wanted to be a guy that's owning apartments. I wanted to be the guy that has rentals. I want to put my money in notes. I want to have vacations and nice things and everything. So, you know, that's just what I what I thought. And I, and I found this vehicle to do. And, and that's, you know, that's what I encourage anybody is just whatever you're planning on doing. And even if you're in it, just make sure that it's a vehicle that can get you to your destination. You know, that, I think that's important to consider. Yeah, that's spot on. I highly agree. Cause I mean, even just being your typical real estate agent, you got to have a lot of listings and a lot of, you know, set transactions per year to hit that million dollar mark too. And it just depends where you're at because not everybody's in a multi-million dollar area or luxury area or dealing with luxury too. So yeah, if you're in LA or New York, I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, work your way up five years, get a name for yourself and then start, you know, listing, uh, you know, high rise buildings. That's a vehicle. I yeah. get it. But, you know, it's got to make sense financially. So basically, you know, you started getting into this and that was my next uh, topic. You know, you're, you are the CEO of your company, Matt Buys Houses. How, obviously we heard your story up into it and that's where, I mean, how did the company start and why did you choose? I mean, you got into the, you didn't really, why did you choose real estate and wholesale over other company, you know, other businesses or sales? Sure. I don't know <laughs> because, you know, my first, you know, my first, I guess it goes back to the vehicle part, right? Cause yeah. you know, if one of my first, you know, jobs when I came back to Fresno from college, I skipped over that part, but I was doing business to business uh, sales for, for cell phones. So yeah. at the time it was like Nextel, you remember Nextel where you yeah, had the walkie yeah. talkie and they ended up selling the yeah. Sprint, um, you know, so that was my first real corporate job. But, you know, I was doing that to survive. And then, but I, you know, I was pretty good at wherever I went, I sold. So, but I just saw like, okay, like I had this huge month and my paycheck was, you know, wasn't really commensurate to my effort. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then I thought like, oh, well, you know, the answer is pharmaceutical sales because those guys make huge money. At the time, I thought that was huge money because they were getting a, what a salary of sixty-five, seventy thousand, and then bonuses they could, you know, bonus out and maybe make six figures. So at the time, I thought, man, if I can make a hundred grand, I mean, I'm set. You know, hundred grand a year, like that—that's like way out here. But like, man, like if I could do that, I'm rich, right? I, I don't have to work, work another day of my life. You know, that, that's kind of how you think. And so I'm always trying to figure out, like, how can I get to that hundred grand, right? You know, and then, you know, it led me to real estate because, you know, you're selling higher ticket items, right? Mm -hmm. You're a house, you're going to make a, a good, a good commission if you could sell. And so I think it was just, you know, a money motivated thing, you know, because I, I was just so bruised and beat up from, you know, losing everything that, you know, I, I was, I was money motivated, you know, to, to, to come out of that. And to, you know, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder, like, you know, most people think I'm not going to make it, you know, I've already failed, I've already lost, you know, a, a house, a foreclosure, I'm embarrassed about that. But, you know, if, if I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm working in, in a, I keep saying the vehicle, because that, that's really, it just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I couldn't make the type of money I wanted by selling cell phones, yeah. just calculate. Yeah.
Exactly. That's awesome. Great story. Awesome to hear too. And I mean, as you know, too, this, this show is all about delivering as much value to the customer as possible. So I want to actually get into the actual process of what you're doing. So, you know, with the whole stint. So let's start with how the wholesale process works. What should potential customers look for when dealing with a company like yours? Why should they wholesale and not list with a typical broker? Oh, good question. So we're not for everybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, you know, most 99% of the people we talk to is not a fit, but there is that 1% that we talk to that there is a fit. And typically these, these people end up selling to us for various reasons. There's life events, there's financial events, there's um, motivation for example, one of our you know uh, biggest um, marketing channels is to absentee landlords, high equity absentee meaning high equity. They have a lot of equity in the property. Absentee meaning they don't live in the house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a rental. Typically, we're also targeting uh, specific age groups. So they've owned the home for x amount of years. They're x amount of years old. They have x amount of equity, and they live out of state. But when you start combining those factors, you start talking to people that are burned out. They're frustrated because they've gone through three tenants in the last 18 months. They just finished up an eviction. They just put a bunch of money into the, the last tenant and they, the last tenant uh, ruined the property. Or, you know, they're just, you know, they've been landlord for 20 years and now they want to enjoy their life. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want to deal with you know, going through, uh, putting a sign in the yard, having people come in and out of the property, dealing with all kinds of different offers, waiting for someone to get an appraisal, waiting for someone to get, you know, uh, approved for a loan. As you know, there's a lot of moving parts in a real estate transaction. Well, if something happens, you know, in that process, the deal falls apart. Mm -hmm. What I can do is tell Mr. Homeowner, look, you know, um, we don't need to get an appraisal. We don't need to get um, a financing. Uh, we can we can uh, walk through the property in, in less than 10 minutes and give you an offer. And our offer is cash. We can close on a date of your choosing. Um, we can uh, buy it without you doing any repairs. You're not going to get a repair request from me. So I'm going to formulate my offer where I'm 100% confident that I can perform. And we do deals like that all the time. You know, another example was, um, it, these are unfortunate things, but uh, we, we recently bought a house where the roof had caved in on um, the people. One of the, one of the men uh, that lived there was elderly. This, you know, the, the health inspection came in and um, they're like, you know, we're going to condemn this house. And, um, you know, the family didn't have the money to do the repairs. They didn't know that um, there's other options. So luckily they got a hold of us. We went in and saw it. I mean, this thing was a disaster. You know, most agents are probably like, dude, I I can't do anything with that. But we came in, uh, found out what they needed, ended up buying the house from them, gave, gave them some money so that they could walk away and actually get a livable place. And they were like, so grateful for us, you know, because they were like, we didn't know what to do. We thought, you know, we were going to end up being a sad thing to say. We thought we were going to end up dying in this house, you know, without any resources. 
you know, when it rains, rain was coming on them. I mean, it, it was a bad situation. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we, we, we deal with that stuff all the time. People that, you know, inherited a, a house and, and it, you know, their uncle was a hoarder. I mean, I've bought in houses where, I mean, to the roof stuff is stacked in the backyard. I mean, you know, fifteen twenty thousand dollars worth of dump fees. But Crazy. you know, those are some of the best deals we've gotten because the people are like, I don't even know. Like, I don't even I can't even begin to deal with this. I just want my money and I'm out. And you know, that's another scenario. I mean, people go through divorce, people go through um financial difficulty. Um you know, there's a guy that, hey, uh, I just got a job transfer. I don't time the stick if sign in the front yard. What's the best offer you can give me? Because I got to go. There's so many different reasons why people end up selling to a cash buyer. Yeah. Um, that you that you wouldn't you'd imagine. But you know, again, like I said, the the majority of people don't need our services, and we understand that. So we're we're very upfront. We're very honest about who we are, what we do. I pride myself on our reputation. We're very ethical. We're not there to take advantage of anybody. You disclosed from the beginning that we are investors, that we do intend to make a profit on the Mm -hmm. sale. And we just give them our best offer and say, here's what we can do. If it works for you, great. We can perform. If not, I understand. And a lot of times I'm telling people, I'm not for you. You know, you should go list it. You'll get more money. So, you know, I think honesty is the best policy. You know, giving people actual advice that will help them and benefit that benefit them and not just line, you know, my pockets. I mean, I, I walk away from deals where, you know, I know that the person can do better, you know? And so I, I'm very, you know, upfront with them and say, you know, I'm just not for you. And, and at the end of the day, people appreciate that. And, and they appreciate the fact that we're just forward and honest. Yeah. Um, we're not, we're not. For- there's of, sometimes there's a lot of bad practice out there with, you know, people in my industry don't get me wrong and then even sometimes agents steer people the wrong way by because they want to get that listing so they tell them this number that they could sell for you know four months later sorry mr seller the market's not you know giving us you know what we thought you have to lower your price no yeah you're gonna have to do repairs on top of that pay me my six percent and in in between you've had all these closing costs or holding costs so you know I, i point these things out and people start looking at you know apples to apples like hey i guess it does make sense to sell here because it's guaranteed and i'm done in in two weeks versus yeah you might be able to get a little bit more but there's so many unknowns and there's so many things that you can't control and so that's what we do we just try to educate people on their options and and usually it works out yeah and that's in any business too i've talked about this in past episodes too just educating people getting them as much information as possible because there is in every business like you just said there are people that are out there that are going to take advantage of, you know, people, unfortunately, and the more information we can give them, that's what's important. Yeah, we really pride on transparency. I mean, we have an A-plus rating with a better business. I mean, I am a licensed broker, so, you know, I'm held to a different different standard. So, mm-hmm. you know, ethics, responsibility, yeah. uh, transparency, honesty, integrity. I mean, these are things that I, I'm a, I am just as a, as a human being, let alone a businessman. So, you know, and anybody that comes into my organization, they understand that. And that's how we do business. So I want to, I mean, wholesaling is big. What you're doing, investment properties, everything, it's a big thing right now. You see it in a lot of different, you know, on, online stuff. You know, you can you know, learn from my course here and there. So 
let's let's go on to your side as a wholesaler real quick. So if someone is thinking about getting into wholesaling, you know, what's the first step that they need to take to get into the business? Uh, the first step for someone that would want to get into the business is educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there is a lot of information. There's a lot of free resources, you know, you, you YouTube, uh, you can, you know, Google wholesaling, how to plenty of free resources out there. Um, that's, you know, that's easy to, to, to find. Um, and then the second thing I would probably do is start understanding your market. Okay. You know, uh, if you're going to, if you're going to do it in your current market or you're going to go virtually, um, you want to understand where cash transactions are taking place and also who, who are the main buyers of that area. So you can start, you know, looking at what's actually moving, you know, so you can start concentrating on your marketing efforts so that you can find these assets and match them up with that cash buyer. Um, for me, you know, I'm, I'm, a am a expert in my territory because you could tell me, Hey, uh, you know, this zip code or is that, that zip code, what do we need to buy it for? And usually I can tell you right off the top, you know, where we need to be, or if, you know, we need to renegotiate or something. So number one, educate yourself. Okay. Learn the process. Number two, um, learn your market, know your numbers, uh, the worst thing you could do is start making offers to a seller that you can't perform on because you're, then you're hurting the, you're the home seller and you're making a bad name for the business. So, you, you know, don't start going out there and start firing off offers if you can't perform. So you need to make sure that if you make an offer, right. And you sign your name to that contract. Uh, I'm not saying sometimes, you know, a, a cancellation doesn't happen, but you know, you know, when that, when that seller says, okay, well, we're packing up or, Hey, I'm telling my tenant, they're giving them a notice to vacate. And then 30, 45 days go by and then you can't find a buyer, you know, that's bad business. So make sure you educate yourself on how to make offers uh, and then who the buyers are so that you can match them up and, and actually get the deal closed and serve the, the seller like you intended to. Awesome. So I, I want to talk a little more about your company and you and, and just trying to deliver to somebody that's potentially going to hire a wholesaler too. So what are you doing to stand out from the rest of the many wholesale companies? You got into this a little bit, but I want to go dive deeper into it. What should people take notice of when choosing a wholesaler? Um, well, I think what, what you should understand is a wholesale is just a disposition strategy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't consider myself just a wholesaler. That's a, that's a strategy I learned to get me into the business. Now I'm a real estate entrepreneur, right? Um, you know, I, I close on properties, I flip properties, you know, I do notes, I do apartments, I do, you know, anything in the real estate space that makes sense. Uh, wholesaling is just a disposition strategy, which is my favorite because we use it every day and it's efficient. But, uh, what you would want to educate a person with a home is, we're, you know, we're the, we buy houses guys. Okay. If you see the signs, we buy houses fast, we pay cash for homes. Those are legitimate companies. However, not everyone is equal. Okay. So, you know, if if I am interviewing potential investors to buy my home, you know, I want to look at their website. Okay. What kind of social presence do they have? Do they have reviews? 
can you show me at least two or three HUDs of you buying a house? Do you have proof of funds? How many houses have you bought in the last 60 to 90 days? These are questions no one asks us because they don't really know. But since I'm speaking to you home sellers, and if you're considering this, consider it like an interview. I mean, yes, uh, it's very, there's a low barrier of entry to call yourself uh, a cash buyer, right? Doesn't mean you actually have the cash, but people go out and say, yeah, I buy cash all the time. They don't have a dime to their name. So be careful with whom you're dealing with, ask qualifying questions and ask for proof. So if anyone was to ask me, do you have you know, a bank statement to show proof of funds? Yes, absolutely. Can you show me you know, some HUDs of houses that you bought? Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you have any reviews? Yes, absolutely. So those are all things that I pride myself on that maybe you know, someone else can't really show because they are just getting into the business and they haven't had any uh, actual deals close yet. That's probably the, one of the last persons I want to make sure that I'm going to sign a contract with to make sure that my house get, gets done in 30 days. And sometimes, you know, if you're getting a set of offers and there's one like that's incredibly higher than the rest, that could be, it's too good to be true. And that person doesn't really know what they're doing. And they're making a, an offer that is uneducated and, and, and they're not really sure what they're going to do with that property. So don't let someone tie up your property unless they have the means to do it and a reputation. So let's, let's dive deeper into that one now. I mean, as far as pricing, you know, so, you know, if I always, you know, everybody price is such a big thing in any business, no matter what company you're at. Uh, Some people just look at the number, I actually get into this all the time and they don't really look at the overall value of what you're delivering, even though you may be priced higher or whatever. You know, whether it's yeah. real estate, construction, whatever business you're in, what should customers know up front when discussing pricing structure, you know, with the wholesale company? So if you're going up against a guy that's going to offer them lower than you, how are you getting around that? Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to, you know, price is just is a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can give you a price, but if I don't have the means to perform on that, then you're kind of rolling the dice. Mm-hmm. So, so I goes back to experience and credibility. Like if you're really needing to sell your house fast, you can't afford to have someone take uh, lock up your house. I say that word. When, what I mean by lock up, when when you sign a contract with a buyer, they're actually holding keys to that property in in essence because you can't turn around and say, you know what, I changed my mind. I'm going to go with someone else um, unless that buyer can't perform. But, you know, typically they're writing, you know, uh, contingencies in that contract that are going to, you know, have them give them the ability to uh, either, you know, close on it or assign the property or their interest to someone else, or, Hey, they could take you 30, 40 days down the road and then call you and say, you know what? Uh, I, I couldn't come up with the money or the funds or, you know, my, my investor partner didn't approve it, whatever. They're going to give you some story. And now you've just lost 45 days. You've lost, you know, uh, time, you know, and hold, you, I'm sure you have holding expenses and I'm sure, Hey, you know, maybe you're selling this property cause you're going to buy another one. And, and now your 1031 timeline um, got all screwed up. 
So, you know, I, again, I, I talked about this briefly, you know, a few, few minutes ago, but vet the people that are making offers. And I think you'll be surprised that a lot of people can't give you a proof of funds when they're saying, yeah, I could buy your $150,000 house. Okay, great. Uh, it sounds great. Show me the bank statement. Or, hey, do you have a line of credit? Or do you have something that's legit that I feel comfortable giving you this deal? You know what I mean? A lot of people, it's kind of funny, you know, I've bought in so many houses and no one's ever stopped to think and ask me, do you have the money? They just kind of assume, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so it, it, that, you know, you know, it's something that I would, I would logically ask someone like, Hey, you know, I, I do it all the time. If I have a house on the market and you know, Hey, do you have proof of funds or Hey, I'm wholesaling this house and I've got buyers all the time that want to come to me and buy my properties. I'm like, great, show me a proof of funds. So that usually will vet out the, the, the tire kickers from the professional home mm-hmm. buyers. There's a difference between a professional home buyer and a wannabe. Yeah. So. That's my advice. Great advice. So, so let's talk about the process a little bit too. Now that you know we're talked about price and everything, you, you you talked a little bit about this, but let's let's go deeper into it. So, you know, from the pre-planning stage until all the way until the home is closed, explain each stage and what a customer needs to expect. Well, it's, it's very similar to uh, uh, your traditional escrow, right? So there's not a whole lot of difference except we move quicker and we eliminate a lot of the unnecessary red tape and, you know, uh, bottlenecks that you see with tra- the traditional method. So in a traditional method, you're going to meet with an agent, right? You're going to mm-hmm. interview an agent. They're going to tell you that they can get you the most house, the most money for your house than anybody else. And their goal is to get a listing agreement. And then their next move is going to be to stick a sign in the front yard, take pictures and put it on the local MLS. And that usually stops their efforts. They, you know, I, I can say this cause I, I'm a broker, but I think brokers and agents and agents are lazy. You know, I, I think they'll just do the minimal work needed and rely on the MLS to sell it. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. So you as the seller, you've got a listing agreement in place. You're locked in with that agent. They're going to come stick a sign. And now here come potential buyers coming in and out of your house at all times. Now, again, it goes back to, are they qualified? Can they get a loan? You know, what's their situation? So you have all these potentially unqualified people walking through your house at all times of the day, disturbing your peace. And then you get presented offers, right? So then those offers come in and you got to select it. So you also have to make sure that the offer you select, that person that's buying the house has, you know, at least a pre-approval, has the means to uh, get a loan. If you've gotten to that point and and you accepted an offer, now you got to wait. Now, all of the power and influence goes into the lender's hand. They got to send an appraiser out. They got to start now doing their, you know, underwriting and making sure that this buyer has the income, they have the credit, they have, you know, the certain debt to income ratios in line. And, you know, I've seen things happen all the time where, you know, again, buyers are not, you know, educated in the process. They don't understand that in order to get a real estate loan, 
your income needs to be, you know, a certain percent more than your, your debt, right? I mean, people go out in the middle of an escrow and go buy a car, you know, and that screws up their whole DTI and then the deal falls apart because mm. they didn't know. So now you're the seller. Oh my gosh, you know, I have my moving boxes packed and I just got a call, you know, at, you know, a two or three days before the escrow is going to close that this whole thing fell apart. Mm-hmm. Now you got to start all over. Okay. You know, another thing that happens in the escrow process is people will trade price on you. So they'll give you the price that, you know, you agree to then come back in with a bunch of inspections. So the home inspector, the termite, the roof, you know, you name it. And they start, you know, getting these reports done and home inspectors make their money on, you know, pointing out all the bad things in the house. The termite company makes money by pointing out all the, the issues with the termites. You know, the AC is not working, blah, 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 you know. So all of a sudden that, you know, net offer you had in your mind now is could be significantly less, tens of thousands less if, you know, someone's got you in the corner and you have no other prospects, you know, it, you know, and, and you've got to sell, you, you may end up losing money in that process, right? Mm-hmm. Or what if the appraisal doesn't come back at value? You know, so many different things can happen. And so, you know, when you're going through that traditional process, buckle up and, and nothing's nothing's done till it's done. You know what I mean? So once that property is recorded and you get the wire check, then you can, you know, consider it done. But up until that point, as you know, dude, the real estate game is crazy. I mean, anything can happen and it quite, quite often does. Yeah. So I would just say weigh out your options, like interview a few guys and see what kind of cash offer you can get. That's going to eliminate all of the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. Assuming you can vet that person, they've got the cash to close, they're legit and, and they have a track record more often than not, it's going to fall right in what, with what you expect. You know, I tell people, you know, minus any, uh, you know, liens or encumbrances or back taxes or anything that comes up on that prelim, that's your responsibility. But if I tell you it's a hundred grand, it's a hundred grand net to you. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, like that transparency. They like the fact that that's, it's a good chance that that's going to happen. You know, there's not all these other motivate or external of, you know, issues that can pop up to kill the deal. Okay. So another question too, kind of going off subject here a little bit, but uh, with real estate too, obviously we know the economy is good and it's, and a lot of people I'm sure you've heard too, or they, they think we're at a peak right now as far as real estate prices are, are, do you think we're at the top of the market as far as real estate prices currently? I definitely think it's still a buyer's market. I'm sorry, a seller's market, excuse me. Definitely a seller's market. I don't think that we're going to have a seller's market for much longer. Um, There are, if anyone tells you, you know, they know exactly. I think that, you know, they're probably lying. (laughs) No one knows for sure. But, you know, you know, it's cyclical. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree. There's going to be a correction. It, it it always happens. You know what goes up comes down to some degree. Is it going to be like oh eight? No, but there will be a correction in there. So uh, I don't know if that's a seven percent, ten percent, or more or less. No one really knows. But yeah, I mean the the economy could 
you know, be volatile as the election comes up, you know, things go Usually. differently than expected on that, you know, who knows, dude? I mean, you know, stock market's been riding high lately. We've seen some, some, some dips in that, you know, you've got the fed still keeping their interest rates super low. You know, if you read deeper into that, that means, you know, um, you know, they're, they're, they're see some, you know, indicators that, you know, there is going to be a correction. So they're trying to, you know, stimulate it. Dude, I'm not an expert, man. Like, you know, I, I don't focus on the, on the economy. Uh, I focus on my economy. Mm-hmm. So you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't care who, who the president is They're you know, they're not going to put food on my table. Yeah. So I've got to go out and do what I've got to do to make sure that I take care of my family at the end of the day. You know, real estate is again, is what I've chosen to do. So, you know, I'll just ride the wave. I'll, I'll adjust as the, the market does. Here's the great thing. You know, housing is something that people can't do without, yeah. you know, yes, the luxury stuff and, and all that is going to probably take more of a hit, but you know, people still need to rent. People still need to have a house over their head. People are buying and selling every single day. So I don't get too caught up in, in, you know, what could possibly happen. And frankly, as an investor, you know, when the market does go down, that's really when we, we start to, to buy more, you know, as Warren Buffett said, you know, when there's blood in the streets, get greedy. So I love selling. Kind of, yeah. You know, I'm not saying that's, you know, a great thing for everybody, but it's the truth. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so on that topic too, so what are you doing you know, with prices being the way they are currently, what are you doing to find the best deals for your investors? Uh, well, we, yeah, I mean, uh, what I tell my students is, you know, uh, we're not real estate investors, we're marketers. Mm-hmm. So you have to get really great at being a, uh, a marketing guy and, you know, real estate just happens to be the product. I don't care what you're, what kind of business you're in, what you're selling. If people don't know you, if, if, if people don't know what you could do for them, then you're almost irrelevant. And now with social media being on podcasts like this, you know, it, it gives more of a platform for people to explain how they can help people, what they do. You know, I help busy individuals grow their money by uh, investing in real estate vehicles without having to deal with tenants and toilets. So what that means is, you know, guys that have interest in real estate, they're worried about having their money in stocks because that's, you know, to me, that's like gambling. Um, I help them put it into vehicles that's safe, you know, secured by a deed of trust in first position on assets that are not over leveraged. So I'm, what I've learned is to be really great at finding deals that no one else knows about. So I've never bought a house off the MLS. You know, I don't really deal with the auction type stuff. I've just gotten really good and put a system together where we're constantly putting our message in front of, you know, direct to the seller. So they're either getting a message, a voicemail, a text, a postcard, a Facebook post, you name it, you know, people, you know, for the most part will get my message at some point and we're just consistent with it. So with consistency, you know, we do have our phones ringing. So, you know, I consistently drive seller leads to my business every single month. Okay. And so on that investment side of things too, finding that your investors, obviously that you deal with and yourself and your company too. So what's an, what's a preferred investment property look like 
for you know for you or the common investor what criteria does it have to meet to fit within that portfolio just depends on what that investor is looking to do so i have a, a pool of investors that like to flip properties that's how they make their their money right they're full-time rehab guys so when you're a full-time rehab guy you're in the construction business mm-hmm. you're managing crews making sure your contractors aren't ripping you off you're at you know making sure that you're finding the best deals at Home Depot or Lowe's back and forth, making sure, you know, the job's getting done. So there really isn't a lot of time to do marketing. Like, you know, how are we going to find the next house to flip if we're always at the job site flipping the house? Right. So, you know, a lot of flippers rely on a guy like me who focuses on driving quality deals into my pipeline. And then, I can then wholesale or assign those contracts to them, right? So I know who the main, you know, five to 10 flippers are in my areas. I've gotten to know them on a personal level. I understand their numbers. I understand how typically they're going to, you know, evaluate a rehab, what they're, you know, hey, you know, this guy puts in 20 bucks a foot on an average, you know, uh, cosmetic flip, not including roof or windows or, you know, a pool, if, if that's, you know, a part of the deal. So I, I make my offers with the end guy in mind. So okay. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm Mr. Stellar. I need to be here. Cause in the back of my mind, I know I'm probably not going to end up closing on the house, but I have my preferred partners that will. That's why I'm very confident in making these offers because I've dealt with these guys over the years. They consistently perform. They have the money to perform. So I know where I need to be in order to make my profit. And then they buy it on a, on a quick email or text. Yes, because I know their spread. I understand they've got holding costs. They have cost of money. They have insurance. They have rehab costs. They have cost of resale insurance. I factor all that into a, a spreadsheet and then it, spits out, you know, a percentage based on cash on cash return. And that's where I know I can make, I can move my properties. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. okay. The other, the other bucket is, Hey, investors that like to buy and hold as rentals. So, you know, I know how to run a, you know, a cap rate. I know how to run a, you know, a cash on cash return. I understand a net operating income. I understand pro forma versus actual, you know, in my experience, when I ran, property management, I saw the real numbers. I I saw like, Hey, you know, what's the real expense ratio in an apartment complex? You know, I could see someone's numbers and they're like, okay, these are not real. You know, there's no way I already know, you know, it's going to cost you anywhere from 45 to percent, 45 to 50% expenses, you know, annually to run an apartment complex. So if the guy's like, yeah, I run it at 20%, you know, it's not, it's not a real number, you know, he's, he's kind of, hiding the, the true numbers. So it's just it's time and experience. You know, I can find a deal and analyze it quickly. And I know, okay, my landlord buyer buys that or I'll buy it. You know, I mean, that's the great thing about being great at marketing is because I bring in all these properties and I get to look at them first. Mm-hmm. So I can pick and choose what I want. I can wholesale this. I could buy this. I could keep this one in the rental. You never know. So the key is to be able to control the inventory. Yeah. So now that I can control the inventory, I could, I could, you know, I can disposition them however I see fit. It's, it's, yeah. And it's basically like you talked about just knowing your market more than anybody else, pretty much. Yeah. 
like yeah and you know knowing what what and then also yeah going back to hey you know i i I make you know this is a relationship business so you know i don't ever look at competitors i look at them as business partners you know there's plenty of deals to go around so i i want to know how i can help grow someone else's business i want to see how i can provide value to them and typically the way i provide value is bringing great deals to them Mm-hmm. I make the money that I need to make. They make the money they need to make. It's a win-win. So, I mean, you talked about the process a little bit, you know, and or you've kind of, we've, we've jumped around on it from start to finish as far as somebody getting into it and in your business. Let's go, you know, how do you guide your customers throughout the process to help avoid unwanted surprises? Obviously, you said it's quicker. And so, you know, it's not like your typical real estate transaction where, okay, there's an inspection. Oh, no, this this is leaking. I need that taken care of. Otherwise, I'm pulling out of the deal. But with you, it's different, like we talked about. So how do you avoid the unwanted surprises and just probably being more upfront with your customers, I'm sure, and communication. I talk about it with everybody too. Communication's so key. So how sure. are you going about this? Well, you know, now that the way that my business looks, you know, I I, I rarely talk to sellers anymore. I, I, I rarely go to the actual properties. You know, my team is out there, you know, they're kind of the you know front of the face of the, you know, the 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 system now, map by houses, I've got several acquisition guys that are, you know, the, the face of the company. And that just goes back to training them. You know, you know, I go on appointments with them when we start, I show them, this is why I'm making this offer. Here's why, you know, I teach them, okay, what does a roof really cost to replace? You know, what's, you know, people freak out. Oh, the fascia is all damaged. It's not a big deal. You know, like, Oh man, the termite, the termite, the termite. I'm like, look, you know, you know, we can, we can replace the subfloor. It's not going to cost you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, so I, I've learned through just my experience, man, like, you know, managing properties when I first started to owning properties myself, like you start understanding, you know, the business, you understand the numbers. So the mm-hmm. first thing I do is I just educate my guys on, you know, what actual costs of renovation are. And then the second thing is I teach them how to, how to value and, and pull comparable sales. So, you know, like kind for like kind, you know, like, Hey, you know, you know, just this property is in this neighborhood, but you know, this is what we're seeing. You know, we look at the comps, I'm teaching them how to value the property. And then I show them through our spreadsheet, here's our real costs, you know, here's the cost of money, here's the insurance, here's the resale cost. And this is where we need to be, you know, typically on a, on an offer. And then I just say, this is what you explain. It's very simple. You know, we're not trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. We're not trying to like, Hey, you know, show them this, but it, you know, it's a smoke and mirror. No, we're, we're very articulate on our offers and why we make them. But typically, you know, to, to, to really boil it down, you know, we're searching deeper than the numbers for people. It's more of a, you know, what's going on in your situation? What can you share with me? Why you decided to give us a call? Is there some type of significant life event that's happening, you know, that just you decided to go this route? And I mean, I've had, you know, I've, I've been in people's living rooms when I started, like I'm in tears because, you know, you know, it finds out, you know, my wife's, you know, in the other room with dementia, she doesn't recognize me anymore. You know, we have all of our memories in this house. Like she, you know, we might lose her and, you know, the medical bills are stacking up. We just need to get out, 
you know, we just need, we just need to sell this property because I need some money to put her in a, you know, a long-term care facility. And at that point, you know, it's, it's never about, you know, profit. It's like, man, like, how can I help this person? You know, because I, at the end of the day, it's like these people have created their lives and their memories there. And, you know, the last thing this guy's thinking about is, you know, how much money he can get for the property. He just wants, it's too painful for him. And we're, you know, we, we end up providing more solutions than anything. So I, we're not in the, you know, I, I tell my guys, like, if there's not a, if there's not a deep needed why or a, a, a serious problem going on with these people, more than likely, we're, it's not going to be a fit. So I spent a lot of time with my guys helping them identify the deeper reasons why people are needing this type of exit, you know? And so we start getting into circumstances that are personal and, and we start then uncovering the real reasons. And then when we understand the real reason, then we can start, okay, I get it. Okay. And then they, you know, we ended up walking them backwards as to why we have to make this offer we show them like, here's where, you know, the rehab cost is, you know, this kitchen, this bathroom, this roof, it all needs to be replaced. You know, typically this is what it's costing us. And then, you know, we do, we do have cost of money. And then when we put the sign back in the yard, after we've done our work, we're going to have to pay commissions out of that. So after you take all that out, you know, we're just trying to make an honest profit. And here's where we typically like to be anywhere from 12 to 15%, you know, most cases. And, it, and then it, once you break it down and, it, and it, it's reasonable, like people are like, okay, I get it. Like you have to make a profit too. I appreciate you coming in here and moving fast. Great. Let's do it. Yeah. It. And I mean, that's, that's actually was, you were spot on because you were going right into my next question about customer service, you know, and how it's, how it's so important communication. But let's talk about, you know, after the fact with, you know, your customers and everything, uh, building, I always talk about with everybody, no matter what industry you're in, building long-term relationships is such a big thing, uh, no matter the business. So how do you maintain relationships with your customers or investors, you know, after their property sold or, you know, or you get them a property? Yeah. So, you know, when we're buying houses, usually it's a one-off right? Because they, you don't have multiple properties every now and then someone might have, you know, a couple of the properties, they'll end up calling us back and saying, Hey, that was a great experience. I got this other property. Most often it's just a one-off transactional, you know, we buy the house and then we end up doing what we got to do with it. But you know, where the relationships are, you know, I have relationships with my private money lenders. I have relationships with other investors in town um, because, you know, we ended up working with each other. Right. And so to answer your question, you know, with my lenders, it's very simple, pay them back and do it on time. So I, I, I definitely uh, take a lot of pride and, and very, you know, very, very important for me to take care of my investors because a, they believe in me there, you know, obviously they're investing. There is some risk, you know, in anything you do, but you know, typically people are going to invest with people and not so much, you know, that specific asset, you know, you know, uh, I've developed relationships where I just call up, you know, my guy and say, Hey, you know, I got this deal. I need 200 grand. Okay, cool. Let me know. 
you know, it's gotten to that point, you know, before you have to like, you know, give them the whole presentation and all that. But, you know, after you've done what you say, you've kept your word, you've performed, you start, you know, having those relationships grow and the, the trust grows. Okay. So, you know, that that's first and foremost. And then with other competitors, if you will, you know, I try to help, I try to, you know, offer value. I try to help younger, newer investors find their way in the market, give them advice, so on and so forth. So it's just, it's all, you know, the golden rule, right? You know, treat others like you would, you know, second commandment, love your neighbors, Mm -hmm. you know, as you love yourself. So it's not hard, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to build a reputation and it's super easy to, 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 to have it tarnished. So, you know, you can get, sometimes, you know, that, that dollar sign will have people do crazy stuff. And, you know, you just got to stay true to your, your core values and who you are as a person and try not to let the the money, you know, jade you and just do right. And, and as you do continue to do the right thing, your reputation grows. People want to do business with people they have no like, and trust. And that's what I've just built my business on. Yeah, we're similar too. It's all about doing the right thing and 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 with every customer and staying consistent with it too. Because unfortunately, in any business, there's not a lot of there. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that don't do the right thing, and it is all about that dollar sign, like you just said. And that's the unfortunate yeah. part about it, too. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, you know, like you, you doing the right thing consistently over time will end up being much more profitable in the long run as opposed to you know doing the unethical thing and and trying to get over and and get every single dollar Mm -hmm. and do something that's wrong that's that's a short-lived that's a that's a scarcity mindset i'm in this i'm in this business for the long run you know i'm not i don't plan on you know trying something new in the next six months you know like this is what i do this is no, this is what I built everything on. So, um, you know, it's too much of my livelihood and reputation on the line for me to, you know, try to screw someone over to make a couple extra bucks. It's just short-sighted thinking. It's, it's, you know, it's not the right way to do business. Awesome. So Matt, very last question. I asked this to everybody. What exactly, because this is what this show is about, what exactly do people need to look for when wholesaling a property and why should they choose Matt Sells Houses as their real estate company of choice? Uh, yeah, man, you know, uh, I think every, you know, it's an equal playing field in all things being equal. Uh, I think it goes back to, you know, the person and 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 the core values of Mm -hmm. that business, you know, for, for me, you know, I hire, I fire, uh, based on core values. I run my business based on my core values. You know, I'm a man of faith, you know, I'm a Christian man. So, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to, to, to tell people that, you know, that I, I have a belief in God and in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I, uh, I believe God's, uh, you know, blessed all of us with, um, very, very, uh, awesome, unique abilities. We all have unique abilities. And so for me, I, I lead, you know, with that in mind, I, I believe God is my CEO and he, he, he gives and he takes away. So if I could stay in line with, you know, the second commandment is treat others like how I wanted to be treated, then th- that's all we can do. That's, that's, that's all we can put out there. And, and, 
you know, time will tell and your actions do speak louder than words. But if you have a, a core value, if you have a set if you have a belief system, you know, it's kind of like Arte, right? You know, um, they have a very specific core value on who they bring into that organization and what that organization stands for. It's the same thing. And, you know, it's the same thing for my company. And so I like to sit down and, and look people in the eye and say, look, you know, um, you, you know, I'm a human being, but uh, I've made mistakes in the past, but this is who I am at the core. This is what I believe in. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to make it in your best interest. I'll tell you straight up if we're not a fit. I'll tell you straight up if you can go get more money, if you should list it or do something else. And I'm going to give you my honest, my fair and, and best shot. And and if, if that's good for you, awesome. If not, I totally respect that. And, you know, hopefully down the road we could do business. That's just how I treat it. Nah, yeah, that, amen to that. That was an awesome. That's probably the best answer I got on that last question too. That, I love that. So awesome, man. It's and the I, truth. It's yeah, the truth. It's the truth. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And um, last thing too, I know you're doing uh, quite a bit of online stuff. Uh, and where can people? I know you're doing your teaching and everything too. Uh, you also have a podcast too. So let's mention what these are so people can find you, uh, where they can find you on social and so on. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm always on Instagram posting stuff. So you can find me on IG at Phenom Investor. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, Matt Garabedian, Facebook, Matt Garabedian. So you can find me on those platforms. Uh, I am, um, I've shared my podcast with you, Bill. So, you know, we're, we're doing some rebranding of just the way it's going to look and stuff, but you can find that on iTunes and that's called the Phenom Investor Blueprint on iTunes. And it talks a little bit about real estate, but it's talk about more like, you know, the discussion we had, like, Hey, you know, what's our bigger purpose? You know, why are we on this earth? You know, business is cool and it's fun and exciting, but I believe we all have a bigger purpose. So, you know, I talk about mindset. I talk about self-development. I talk about growth. I talk about, you know, my faith, all that stuff on the podcast. So I hope that, you know, provides some blessing for people that want to listen to that. Um, you know, I do teach, uh, coaching. I've got a, a, you know, if you're interested in wholesaling and you want to know like, Hey, how I built my business, uh, I have a course out there. So, if you, you know, hit bill up and, and say, I want to, you know, um, uh, you know, find out about Matt's course. Um, and then we could talk and, and, and get the, those people, um, lined up with that. That's, uh, that's pretty much what I've got going on. Um, you know, I, I plan to do more content and, and, and put the podcast and the YouTube page out there more and more. So that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some of your content. I mean, yeah, you in wholesaling is such an in-depth thing too. Like we already discussed that people definitely should reach out to you if they want to learn more. Cause it's, you can't, it's something you just can't jump right into. And yeah, that's yeah. why I loved having you on today too. Cause it's, it's a big, big process. And I like to see people, honestly, I, I, I don't have, I'm a competitor, mm -hmm. but I'm also not a hater. So I, I, I love to see people win. I love to see people go after their goals and dreams and reach new heights. So if I could help you on that journey in some capacity, I'd love to, you know, I'm accessible. You know, I'll actually call people, call people back or email people back or message people back. And so, you know, reach out and let's, let's, you know, see how we can help each other. 
Awesome. Matt, I really appreciate you coming on today, man. This has been awesome. So much great info and value on both ends to somebody that may be interested in getting in the wholesale business or buying houses for cash or even somebody that has to sell their house that way too. So I really appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I really appreciate you having me on the show. And I know you're dropping a lot of value for people in the real estate space and, and consumers and people that are interested. So, you know, kudos to you and keep it up, man. Awesome. Thanks again, guys. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the real build. And guys, if you would just take a little bit of your time to write a review below, I'd really appreciate it. It doesn't take long. Obviously reviews are going to make this show be heard by more people. And that's what we need. We need to get this out there. So please write a review, share it with your friends and family. And thank you so much for everybody that's listening. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.